break things down to the very last compound my name is summit aka the potty mouth of the south and my name is chris mitchell aka the actual factual actual facts mm-hmm. that this interview man i keep saying this every week but this is my favorite now but it's a good thing now this is my favorite because you see z and i said this on a podcast and i'll say it again because i have no shame in saying something where i can stand over it he genuinely was um he was inspirational for me he was inspiring it was like when i wanted to research on an interview or listen back to an artist interview it would be z and i click play and i wanted to read the transcript i'd listen to his interview and hear his voice and go i want to be like that and to see his ascension him ascending and to see what he's done the dj booth through to audio mac and the great work they're doing and the and the the plans they have it's really heartwarming because the good the this is a good person winning. This is one of the good guys because for so for so much we always complain about oh why is this person getting headed? They don't know nothing about rap or they don't. This is someone who has journalism running through their veins, has a good moral editorial standpoint, good ethics and values. This is someone who is elevating the game, right? Z. And he's doing so well. And so for me personally, I was just like, I was a bit nervous. I was a bit nervous doing this interview because it's like, this is someone that in my head, I'm going back to 12 year old summit, uh, 12 year old, 12 years ago summit. Right. Going, this is someone I'm looking up to. I um, felt the same. Um, when I had to interview Dar Adams, I was shook. Right. Shook. Right. Cause I knew in the back of my mind, I said, Chris, don't ask him no foolishness. Right. Make and, sure your and- research game is tight. Right, and you, I remember you asking me one time on the podcast, did you ever get nervous interviewing anyone? This is that interview. Okay, well you did well, man. I, I wouldn't have known you were nervous. No, I was nervous before this interview. Okay, oh, well no, but, you, but, you, did, you did good. You, um, you led the charge. <laughs> but no, this, um, I'm, I'm very excited for this one. Um, Z is a, an incredible guy. As you'll hear, he has a lot of insights. He's very well versed. And like I said, the plans for Audio Mac... Um, not only from an editorial standpoint, but from a from a music standpoint, and what they'll offer to artists, both unsigned, established, exciting times. So this is Z, Breaking Atoms podcast. Check it out. It's another special episode of the Breaking Atoms podcast. Um, this one should be uh, inserted with credibility all over it. We have someone that has been an inspiration to me. Um, an inspiration to many people uh, in who ever followed the blog era, who are, who are up and coming artists or even a credible artist and established artist now. Today we have Brian Z of Audio Mac here on the Breaking Atoms podcast. How you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much uh, for having me, guys. Um, we were talking off here, so I might as well say this now. Um, when I was doing Hip Hop Chronicle, researching the poor interviewer that I was and probably still am in some ways. Um, you, you were the go-to. If I wanted to research, uh, if I want to delve a bit deeper in terms of an art, in terms of an artist's artistry or creativity, I had to come to DJ Booth. I had to hear your voice, the weight of which your voice carried. I had to understand how you did it. And actually the style of trying to get under, underneath the hood is very much attributed to you. Well, thank you. I, I'm I'm humbled by the, the your praise and, and your kind words. Um, it's been so long since I've done since I've been in your shoes, since I've been the the interviewer instead of the interviewee. Um, most people who follow me on social media now or who follow my work, they don't even really even know that that was my background. Um, I've conducted well over 500 interviews over the course of my career. I come from a radio background, which is what taught me how to be a good interviewer. Um, I, I think the, the biggest takeaway there is, you know, people are so quick to think about what their next question is going to be often that they don't listen to the answer that the interviewee provides. The key, I'm dropping keys now for all of our, our viewers out there, the key to being a good interviewer is to be a great listener. 
just listen, forget about all the questions you had written down and just let a conversation happen. That's good. That's good advice. You you are notorious at the moment, especially, especially on social, notorious for dropping gems, incredible gems. I saw something about, um, before we jumped on today, uh, email opens. That's funny. That was funny. That was hilarious. Howdy. Hey, hey. <laughs> Howdy. Hi there. <laughs> You know, I, I feel like a lot of people mean very well. Yeah. They just don't know. Um, so however I can articulate some of this this education that I, I've picked up over time in a way that is easy to understand and accessible, hopefully anyone who's following me uh, understands that that's my motive. But I mean, in, in reality, all it takes is a really poor email introduction to blow up a relationship from ever happening, especially when the person that you're emailing, for instance, me, uh, receives thousands of emails a week. So if you if you deliver a poor open, um, I'm not even get, gonna get to the first paragraph. I mean, it just there's only so much time in a day. No, definitely. You um you mentioned earlier that a lot of people now may not actually understand the the history or where you've came from with interviewing. How did you get into kind of journalism? Uh, and what were your early articles about? Great question. So I went to Illinois State University uh, for a degree in uh, radio broadcasting and journalism. I wanted to get into television. And the first day of school, I went to the TV station and they told me I had to wait till my junior year to get involved. And I, I said, I want to get involved now. And they said, well, you could walk down the hall to the radio station. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, you lose. Uh, I went to the radio station. I fell in love with it, uh, even though it wasn't what I initially wanted to get into. And I was doing interviews during the week that we would pre-tape and then air on the programs that I hosted over the weekend. And it wasn't until the end of my college days where I realized I'd spent all this time researching artists, conducting these interviews. They would be aired on the programs and then never heard of again. And I felt like there was a better way to reconstitute some of this work so that not only could my work be heard, but these artists could benefit greater. And so before I graduated senior year, I was introduced to who became my business partner, Dave Mackley. He had started djbooth.net when he was in college as a project, it was just for fun. It was a way for DJs to connect with one another, uh, post playlists, and then um, like turntable mixer headphone reviews. So I sent him a cold email and I, and I, I certainly didn't open it with hi there or howdy. Um, I addressed him professionally. I said, hi, Dave, uh, my name's Brian. <laughs> and I told him what I did. I said, I'm in college, I conduct interviews and I'm looking for a home for these interviews. Uh, I, I noticed that DJ Booth was right for expansion. I don't want any money. You don't have to pay me. Just give me the keys to the car. And about five minutes after I sent him this email, he calls me and says, I love it, let's do it. And so while I was finishing up school and even after school, I, I got a radio job as a morning show producer. I, I began working on DJ Booth as a hobby and I would just continue to conduct interviews and we would run the audio and transcribe it. And uh, yeah, that, that, was the, that was the early beginning. I was trying to let that become a, a bridge to a, a better radio opportunity. Right. And somewhere along the way, it just became uh, evident that I didn't need it for it to be a bridge to anything, that it was the thing I could do. That's really interesting because when I did Hip Hop Chronicle, that was the next step. For me, I wanted to use that to get into radio. I had conversations with BBC One Extra, Asia Network, all the, and I, that was the whole, that was the idea. It was a radio management label. That was the, those are the steps. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, interesting. Chris. So do you remember some of those first interviews you did? Which ones, which ones stood out to you? <laughs> well, I, I certainly remember the first interview I ever did, which was with a rapper from Detroit named King Gordy, who uh, appeared in um, Eminem's Eight Mile in a cameo. Um, that was the first ever interview that I did. Um, true story, we did the interview and I totally fucked up and didn't press record. And then I had to call up his manager afterward <laughs> and tell him that while it was an incredible interview, 
We'd have to do it again. Oh, wow. Because I didn't get any of the audio. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, when we were, when I was in college, it was very difficult to book uh, interviews because they would say, well, you know, what is your listening audience? And I would tell them. And then most of the time that would end the conversation. Um, but I was able to hit on a lot of interviews with a lot of artists who became stars. So um, while I was in school, this is 2002 to 2006, got the chance to interview Kanye, Rick Ross, DJ Khaled, uh, Big Sean. And then of course you had more veteran artists who, even if it was a radio interview at a college station, they were all on it. You know, we're talking about uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony, um, Rakim, some of the older school artists by that time. Um, I really didn't say no to any interview as long as I liked the music. Right. Because I felt like at that point, it was better for me to just do a lot of interviews and get good at them. And so I viewed every opportunity as practice, even if it actually never aired, um, just so that I could get into a better rhythm, become a better questionnaire, et cetera. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that story about the, uh, the interview being lost, I, I had a moment because um, just last week I thought I'd lost an MC8 interview. Oh. And life left me. My wife looked at me. She just went quiet. <laughs> and she was just like, what's happened? And I told her and she just didn't say anything. And I could just hear her praying like under her breath. But I found it. Thank God for the cloud. So I know exactly what you mean. Oh, it's happened to me. I mean, um, you know, when I first graduated from school, um, I moved back in with my parents and I connected, you know, there was no Zoom back then. Uh, so I had to uh, hardwire a connection between one of the landlines in my parents' house and my computer. But the phone rang in the house. And so often I have to scream out loud, the interview's for me, don't pick up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh god the days of 56k modems I, 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 feel, <sighs> I feel the pain i remember doing those um used to be those def jam conference calls that young sav i used to be on them all the time i had to go look everyone everyone in the house do not touch the phone i've can i've i i have them recorded right so i have a lot of them i sent sav a bunch of them actually um, just because he might have, he might not have them as archive, but I would have to say, everyone, don't touch the phone. I am recording a Def Jam conference call. Don't do anything. So, oh my God, this is great. This is memories. This is, oh, I love this. Those are the days. Those were the days. Um, I agree. Your interviews, and we spoke about it off air, and we've already said it. Your interviews are so well done, DJ Booth. Were there any particular favorites or kind of impactful ones that kind of resonate with you as a as as a journalist? <sighs> Um, I, I did so many and, um, my brain has been so warped by becoming a parent that, <laughs> uh, I'm having a hard time recalling any specific conversations that, that stand out. I mean, I, I, I referenced it before. Um, I was able to speak to Kanye, um, you know, before Kanye changed, uh, we'll, we'll say, uh, I think that's the most respectful way to put it. Yep. Uh, I got the opportunity to speak with him at uh, an event with, when his mother was still with us. Um, he was a different person. Um, I'll give you a little, little tidbit from that interview. So I got the chance to do that one in person in Chicago. And um, the publicist who had scheduled it had told me ahead of time, you have 10 minutes. And so I always take those publicist warnings with a grain of salt, um, but often that's also communicated to the artist. So they're answering the questions in the back of their mind, often knowing, all right, I, you know, after 10 minutes, I got to stop because I have another interview to do after this and another interview after that, and we have to get them all in. So we were doing the interview. I, I knew we were pressing up against 10 minutes and the publicist actually walked over again because this was in person and she she motioned you know the universal like like wrap it up and i didn't say anything because i didn't want to come across as rude and I, I felt fortunate that i had gotten any time at all and kanye um little bit of ego showed there he actually said he goes we're not done yet i'll let you know when we're done and i and i, I didn't do it but secretly i was like yes <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, that, that, that interview stands out. Um, had a lot of great conversations with um, an artist you're probably not expecting me to say, Chameleonaire. Um, oh, I during, love Chameleonaire. He's uh, great. He's a great conversation. He's such a, a bright mind. He's so intelligent. Um, a lot of folks I've seen on the internet think, you know, he's, he was a one hit wonder. No, he's getting that tech money. What they don't realize is he became a venture capitalist. <laughs> he invested the money that he generated from his music career into, into the tech space. He's so smart. Um, thoroughly enjoyed those conversations with him. Um, Rick Ross is another name. I really enjoyed speaking with Rick, especially before he decided to, to become an entrepreneur himself and invest in, um, in restaurants and, and other ventures. Those are the most interesting conversations, I think. The ones that started about music. So the, the pretense was we're going to talk about your new album. But by the end of the interview, we were actually talking about what these artists wanted to do outside of music the impact that music has had on, on their personal lives, their mental health, their family. That's what people connect with, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. A lot of people love to hear like who the guest artists are on your album, how you connected with producers, how songs were made. That's all interesting. I don't want to take away from any of that. But what's far more interesting is when when Instagram is not live or before Instagram existed, when the lights are off, what is life actually like? Those are the best conversations. No, definitely. Definitely. Chris. Um, I was on the site today on, on DJ Booth again. Um, and I was reading the About Us page and it says that DJ Booth creates content for the engaged music lover. Those who want to stay at the forefront of music while the rest lean back. In your opinion, what are some of the characteristics and traits of an engaged music lover? Someone who cares about the music and not the periphery. DJ Booth has never in its history, and we, we've been around for 16 years now, we've never focused on gossip or rumors or celebrity news. And when I say focused on, I mean, we've never covered any of that. So those who lean forward and who are engaged listeners, they care about the music. They care about the stories behind the music and the artists themselves. Everything else, in, in hip hop culture or music um, celebrity culture that exists around them is irrelevant to our readers. So they're looking for substance. Uh, they're looking for truth. Uh, they're looking for candid observations. They're looking for critical assessment and they're looking for honesty. Right. Uh, you know, we put, I've always felt like we've put the same time and attention into our editorial that the subjects who we're covering have put into the creation of their music. Nice. So you basically, uh, you want to, you want to reach people like me and Summit, people who care about the music and not the extra bells and whistles and all that fluff. Gotcha. Yeah. Exactly. Gotcha. Because quite, quite frankly, it's, it's irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. And it, it, that it's, that's proven because every day on social media, it's something new, but good music, that doesn't go away. That's forever. True, true. Let's talk about Jamla, Jamla Records. I remember there was a point in time where you had a lot of the exclusive Jamla releases on the site. You were even fortunate enough to get like DJ Booth exclusive bonus tracks um, and people could buy the music through the site. I was one of those people. How did the, the relationship with Jamla and Ninth Wonder start and develop? Well, first of all, thank you for your loyal readership and being a longtime customer. <laughs> you know, I mean, look, man, Ninth Wonder, top 10 of all time to me, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I was a huge Little Brother fan. And when when they broke apart, um, I, was, I was able to connect with Ninth Wonder as he was just beginning to create Jamla. He would send us artists who he either had just signed or was considering signing, um, you know, Rhapsody uh, um, among them, who's one of my favorite artists. And we were also close with Ghazi, who is the CEO and founder of Empire Distribution. And at the time, all of this was obviously so new. DJ Booth obviously focused on editorial, but we knew that we wanted to also provide artists and labels with services. Uh, so we started hosting mixtapes and um, that was 
the pretense for uh, the creation of Audio Mac, essentially, um, hosting was not our bread and butter. It was very expensive from a, a um, server and bandwidth cost standpoint. Um, but we wanted to offer their artists the ability to, to sell music on the platform because we are already covering these artists. So the thought process was, you're on DJ Booth, you're reading about these artists, rather than send you away from DJ Booth to purchase the music, why not have you stream a few bonus tracks and buy it in full on the platform? Um, I would have loved to see that expand into more, but given where the streaming space went, it was, it was not a viable long-term option. But the fact is, is that we, we accumulated a lot of loyalty in the same fans being DJ Booth readers and JAMLA listeners. The fact is you just asked me about this question 10 plus years later proves that although it didn't continue, it was worth it. Yeah, no, I remember, um, what did I get from the site? Actual Proof, um, yeah, Black proof. Boy Radio. <laughs> Tom Hardy. Yeah, I mean, man, where's Tom Hardy? Um, <laughs> I also got First Division. Um, that's on my old computer though, but it, my old computer since died. But no, I do, I do remember like, and yeah. some of these tracks, you know, they're really hard to find, but they were on DJ Booth, so kudos for that. You know, I probably get one email a week asking me if I could send people those files. Really? <laughs> yeah, because we 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 removed all of those pages. We've we've transferred servers twice since then. And along the way, a lot of pages were either removed or we didn't we didn't transfer them over because it didn't make any sense. So I'll get a random email like, hey, you know, uh, I don't expect you to read this email or respond, but I was wondering if you could send me those files, that would be great. Um, those emails usually start with hi there, so. <laughs> or, or, or howdy. howdy. <laughs> I might so, try that with you, Z. I might try that with you, hi there. The interviews but now. We already alive. know each other. No, I know, so, but it's still it's still be fun. I should have done that in the first instance. I should act like we didn't know each other and I approached you that way. That would have been more. That would have been funny. Yeah, you'd have just been that. You'd have been that. <laughs> I would have been confused. Yeah, you would have been. Um, in a in a world, content is king and all that stuff. What are the biggest challenges in in creating content where everyone is competing for eyes and ears? You know, you talked about how the editorial control that you guys had and the kind of guidelines, which was no gossip, but what have been some of the biggest challenges in kind of creating, con uh, creating content in that kind of world? Well, in September, we announced that DJ Booth's editorial operations were gonna move over to AudioMac. And, the, and the, the goal there was simple. AudioMac reaches between 16 and 20 million monthly active users. So our platform has a tremendous, tremendous base. And people are looking for music to listen to. And it just made sense that in that same place they're looking to listen to the music, that it, the editorial is available to be read. Getting people to leave social media, which is where they live, and navigate away from Twitter or Instagram and to a platform to read an editorial has become extremely difficult for a variety of reasons. Behaviorally, the way that we, we, enjoy, we enjoy and review content changed. Um, back in the day, people bookmarked websites that they loved going to daily. That behavior went out the window. <laughs> you now just follow the, the platforms you enjoy. And should they tweet something that comes across your timeline that sparks your interest, you might or might not click through on it. And so that just obviously became a challenge. So the goal of the partnership was, was simple. Um, the next iteration of the AudioMac app version 6.0 will have in it the ability to allow our users at AudioMac to both stream and read about content in one place. They won't have to open up a separate app. They won't have to open up a separate browser window and all proper nouns, artists' names, song titles, album titles will all be clickable. So while you're reading, if that artist's song is mentioned, if you click on it, it'll start streaming that song as you continue reading. Um, we're very excited about it. I know a lot of platforms, this is like the holy grail, guys. A lot yeah. of platforms for years have been trying to successfully integrate music journalism and editorial into the, the mainframe of the app, but they have not yet been able to do it. We're excited because it's gonna, it's gonna be done. <laughs> and I believe it's the future. Um, the only other option really in this landscape, Sumit, is, is paywall, right? And, yeah. and that's subscription. 
And quite frankly, I don't believe it's a viable model for smaller independent music platforms because Twitter is free. And how do you compete with that? Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the standard's gone. When you can get something for free, from psychological point of view, people are unwilling to pay. But I, I, I suspect in the new update, there's been so much user journey testing that you guys have done, you know, so much tracking and just behavioral, looking at all that behaviors and understanding that's, that's really exciting. That's congrats to you guys. That's really, yeah, really exciting. Stop. Yeah, stop. And, and if I could just add, I mean, I'm excited about it because we, we have a two prong approach to journalism. So while I loved critical analysis pieces, while I love publishing op-eds and, and personal essays, our focus moving forward is on artist discovery and artist education. So we want to both introduce our users to new artists, and that doesn't mean independent only, they could be signed and developmental, or educating artists. The landscape that we're all operating in is changing at such a rapid pace. And there's so much that the creator community just doesn't understand. And so the interviews that we do with more veteran artists, for instance, um, we just conducted an interview the other day with Big Boy. Um, the focus of these pieces is going to be on them helping to educate the younger generation of artists. So they're gonna drop gems, they're gonna provide insight into their own path, what label and distribution company experiences worked out well for them? When is the right time to get a manager? Do you need a publicist? Should you own your masters to start your career? Who should uh, oversee your publishing? I mean, education that is valuable for all artists and for users, for, for fans, who, while they might not be aspiring creatives themselves, they can benefit because if they know how all of this works, maybe then they'll want to commit to a greater capacity to, to helping these artists because they know how hard it is. That's that good. Is, I like that. that. That is edutainment. That's KRS-1 edutainment right there. Yes. That's, that's everything encompassing the pinnacle of it because that's very important. Because even for me, for someone like me, I would love to understand how things work. I'm, you know, speaking to music lawyers and understanding how contracts work and just how masters and publishing and points and all those things. I, I don't have a... Um, I'm not an artist, but I, I would love to understand more about that. So it seems like that service that you're providing is is going to be a great one for people like me and others out there. Chris? Absolutely. Yeah, so look, I know we've spoken so much about the quality of the writing over at DJ Booth and Audio Mac you've just highlighted. What do you look for in a writer apart from just good writing skills? Well, that's first. Um, you know, is your writing technically sound? Uh, because, well... Don't get me wrong, I, I've worked with writers who whose first ever byline was on DJ Booth and who had very little to no uh, professional writing experience prior to DJ Booth. I worked with them for years to help them improve their writing. And I'm, by no means am I an I, uh, incredible writer. I'm actually awed by some of the writing samples I receive um, on a daily basis. I've always felt like I'm a better editor than I am a, a writer. Right. But, to, but to address your question directly, I'm, I'm looking for outside the box pitching. I'm looking for um, ideation. So, you know, there, there's a way to approach a story that's going to grab someone's attention that's different from your, your standard Q&A. And, you know, we talked about it at the open, right? So we could ask artists about who's on your project and who produced on it, et cetera. Typically, all of this information is, is, is out there yeah. somewhere. Um, artists are looking to be asked questions that no other interview has asked them. And I'm very happy with the quality of the interviews that we publish because I know that the writers who we work with, and I have to give a special shout out to Donna Claire Chesman, who's our, our editorial director at Audio Max. She was our managing editor at DJ Booth. Um, she asks questions no one asks. And I know because at some point in the transcription of every interview, the artist literally says to her, that's a great question, or I've never been asked that before. <laughs> or after the interview's over, they'll say, this was one of my favorite conversations. Not interviews, but one of my favorite conversations. 
to the point they forgot they were being interviewed because it flowed so incredibly. So yeah, that's what we're looking for. I want someone who loves the music, they love the subject matter, and that love is what dictates the outcome of the piece. So it sounds like they need the actual factual they over at Audio Mac. <laughs> yeah, so, so I uh, see the running joke is uh, I've <laughs> dubbed Chris the actual factual because um, he comes with the actual facts. He'll he'll remember lyrics, years. I am more generalist in in my knowledge, but Chris is the actual factual, and he's uh, he's he's surprised a few. We interviewed Papoose, and uh, Chris asked him about something from about 15, 20 years ago, and he's like, "You're the only person that's ever asked me that ever." And I, you know, Papoose gets a lot of that. So Donna's done a great job, and yeah, I think, she has. Um, she's done an incredible job, and I, I quite enjoy reading her stuff. So she's done, you know, hats off to her. 100%. Yeah, shout outs to Donna. Shout outs to Donna. So, incredible. I agree. <laughs> Summit, over to you. Um, speaking about journalism and, and, and modern journalism and, and the writers that you guys employ, the editorial voice that you stand behind, um, what are some of the issues and challenges with kind of modern online journalism outside of credit, uh, outside of talking? I'll go on it. I have a big problem with, and I'll talk about podcasters and, and, and all the like for now. I have a big problem with this kind of hip hop Twitter conversation of one must go, one's got to go, um, wh- wh- what's the worst beat, all these things. I think they're kind of very low level conversations that don't elevate anything and actually pit uh, one artist against another artist, um, which I'm not really for. But from your point of view, someone who's very experienced, well versed, what are some of the issues and challenges that you find with kind of modern journalism? I'll tell a story before I answer the question. So a couple of years ago, I was asked to speak to a group of um, uh, middle school students who were interested um, in a career in media. Now, obviously, I mean, if you would have asked me in middle school what the hell I wanted to do when I was a fully formed adult, I would have told you be a basketball player uh, or some stupid shit like that. Um, I mean, I say that because I'm a white Jewish kid and I had no future playing basketball <laughs> professionally. Um, but the point I'm trying to make is, is, is one of the questions I asked these kids was, where do you read your content? And the most prevalent answer was Instagram comments. And I, I thought I, I misunderstood what they were telling me. And so I, I clarified, I said, where do you spend the most time reading news and getting your information as it pertains specifically to music? And they were like, no, you, you, you didn't hear us incorrectly. It's, it's Instagram. And immediately I realized, and it, it shouldn't have taken me speaking to this group of kids to realize this, but there's just such a tremendous behavioral change that took place as as a result of social media. Um, And that more than anything, I think has dictated the way that most platforms approach content creation. First, it's it's bite size, right? So you know that there's so much on demand, not just in music. So you have options at any time. You can listen to whatever you want. You can watch whatever you want. You can consume whatever you want. And so we're, we're in the publishing space, not only competing with other publications, we're also competing with new music releases, Netflix, porn, politics, social media. There's just too much. And people are so overwhelmed by all of it that most only consume bite-sized pieces of it on their timeline. So that's probably the biggest hurdle, which is getting someone interested enough to invest their time to read beyond um, 180 characters or what, you know, what have you. That's interesting. Cause yeah. I, I think Chris, go on, Chris, go on. I was going to say, you know, like thinking about the podcast, the, is what frustrates me sometimes is that, you know, you'll have, particularly online on social media, someone will say, well, nobody talks about this or nobody talks about this album. And I will just get extremely frustrated because look, I'm like, you know, we've just spoken to this artist for like two hours. 
Um, all you had to do was go in the search bar and a whole load of stuff would have come up. Um, you know, just the other day I was thinking about Encore from Hieroglyphics. I'm like, what's up with what's up with Encore? I just typed in the search bar. You know, a couple of years ago, people talking about, yo, this album's great, blah, 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 blah. And you could connect with them as opposed to, oh, no one talks about this. Or just seeing something in the comment and thinking that's gospel and running with it and sharing it and spreading it. Or someone just reading a headline, for example, and responding to an article that they haven't necessarily read. So all of that, all of that is frustrating. And um, yeah, we def- I've definitely been thinking about it from the podcast perspective is like, how do we get people to sit down and listen to us for 45 minutes, an hour? And we do, but how do we also give them the bite-sized information to drag them in? So that's, a, that's an ongoing challenge for us. Yeah, I also think that maybe we just have to think about, so if we look at it from marketing, I'm a market, digital marketer by trade, right? So if we look at it, the user profiles um, and demographics, and there are certain people that tap into that. Some of them might be older, some of them might be our age, some, some might be younger. Some might be budding journalists who can invest their time. And we have to look at it that way. Once we understand, we understand what our focus is. I'm talking to, I'm talking to Chris, like Z's not here. Um, <laughs> but when, once we understand what our focus is as a product, as a brand, we can then go, right, who would want to consume something like this and let's be where they're at so if we look at it from a music point of view back in the day we'd have lounges or you know you could you have uh, spots where you can go to clubs pre-covid of course but you would debut new music or you go to where they are if you're if you're if you are a retail outlet you'll go where people go to the mall or shopping centers we call it here so what we need to do in that respect is think about our audience which we do we kind of know who they are and what they look like but target them and that's kind of our core anyone comes up but from that, beyond that, is great. But let's stick with our core and build from there. I think we need to. But I'm, I'm all about ele- I'm all about elevating the I'm all about elevating the culture. Um, I, I I love rap music. I love hip hop. It's it's. Uh, I always say that it's got me here. I, I mean, it's. I'm sure you've done this, Z, in 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 boardrooms and in, in corporate in the corporate world. And I know me and Chris have. It's very few people that will quote Talib Kweli, Canvas One, Immortal Technique to stakeholders or to managing directors and they'll have no idea what you're talking about but it's it's part of us and so i think we have as big for me and chris we have a responsibility to do the you know to do justice to the culture right over yeah and I, i know exactly what you're talking about because for a long period of time one of the most frustrating elements of the the, the day-to-day was getting corporations to feel comfortable enough to spend their money with us because of the content that we are publishing. Um, you know, a lot of companies, they don't even want their brand on the same page as the name of an artist whose music might contain lyrics that include references to violence or drug use or abuse. And even if the content itself is, is, is wholesome, right? And what I mean by that is, let's say we did an interview with an artist in which that artist talked at great length about being able to overcome uh, adversity, come from nothing, turn into something, and all the hurdles in between. That that's that's a great story. I mean, we're humanizing this artist and making people realize that despite their success at present. They, they had to go through all of these challenging times to get there. But there are companies who are like, yeah, we don't give a shit about the story. We heard one of their records and we don't want our brand anywhere near this artist. So yes, that was absolutely frustrating on a personal level though. I, you know, cause I can't control what, what major corporations do on a personal level, because we've always been independent since day one, DJ booth, um, never took a dime of, of, of financing. We were no one ever invested in us. Our success was always based on us investing the money that we made back into the company. Um, as a result of that, those decisions, we had full creative control over which artists we covered and how we covered them. And I'm very proud that we chose to always cover the positives. So when art, if an artist got arrested, we didn't cover that. If an artist got in trouble in, at all, whether it was legally or otherwise, we didn't cover that. Um, artists who had drug issues, if we did tackle those subjects, we did so by interviewing a psychologist or a doctor to talk about the significant impact of drug abuse. We talked to um, a sleep doctor about the 
the culture of, of grinding and, and staying in the studio all night long and never taking time for your personal health. So if we tackled anything that was ever outside specifically of the music, we did so with the absolute best of intentions. Do we always get it right? No, uh, I'm, I'm sure we fucked up plenty. And I, right. and I, I can even think of a few instances where I was <laughs> like, I wish we never published that piece. Um, but for anyone watching here who's ever read DJ Booth and has ever even questioned our motives, um, we, we've always published everything with the best of possible intentions. I've got to shout you guys out on the, um, the sleep piece. That was my favorite piece. On, oh, thank you. on, on DJ Booth. Yeah, no, listen, we were going to do a, an episode called The yep. Cost of Sleep. Yep. Um, and it was partly inspired by that piece and the song uh, The Cost of Sleep by Sky Zoo. I loved that piece because I was so frustrated with this. It got to the point where when I would try and sleep or get rest, I'd feel guilty mm. because you have this whole team, no sleep. You're not working hard enough. And it was messing with me for so long. And I do remember recall reading that piece and I'm like, this is different. I like this. So no, kudos, kudos on that. Let's talk some rap stuff though. I read, I read your bio. You said something about Andre 3000. So the question is this. Would you still donate a kidney and two of your pinky toes for an Andre 3000 album? Yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. <laughs> you do it, yeah? All right. Yeah, yeah let's, I'm, let's do it. I'm going to be real, Z. I'm a massive Outkast fan. Their first three albums, absolutely incredible. I just don't get the hype about an Andre 3000 album. I need you to sell it to me because I truly believe Hip Hop Twitter broke up Outkast. If we never get another Outkast album, yeah, it's we- their fault. We have this conversation. Oh, yeah, go on, go on, Z. Yeah, what, 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 what's the, what is the mystique about Andre 3000? Why someone like you is still so uh, heavily anticipating an Andre 3000 solo album? Well, first of all, on, on a technical level, you'd hardly find a more impressive uh, tactician. Okay, right. So, from strictly speaking, in terms of skill, natural ability, he's up there. Okay, so I enjoy listening to that because it's impressive. He's also a poet. So he has the ability to be technical, but also eloquent. That's a rare combination. Beyond all of that, though, I think why I want it so much is he said in an interview a couple of years ago that his hesitation to release solo material is because he doesn't think people care about the adult version of Andre Benjamin. And I, I, I want him to know that that's wrong <laughs> because I'm 36 and while it's my job to listen to everything that comes out, it's, it's literally my job. Um, I don't connect with as much as I used to from artists who are, you know, let's say 16 to 25 years old. So I'm specifically looking for and seeking out material from older artists who are at a different stage in life. Those who either are married or have children, those who have responsibilities to family members, maybe they help take care of their parents. Um, you know, when, when life gets real, and I think based on his ability to both be a, a wordsmith and a poet while also rapping about his real life, I wanna hear about that. Um, and if anyone's gonna tell me about their real life, as a, as a middle-aged uh, man, I, I would love for it to be him. Fonte gave us a great look into what that's like a few years ago. Yes, he yeah. did. Uh, he did. Um, and I'm not comparing the two, certainly, but I enjoyed that album thoroughly for that reason. And so, Andre, Andre, if you're listening, one kidney, two pinky toes. I, I have it on good authority <laughs> that I can continue to live without these items. <laughs> And I'll be good. Let's do it. Okay. He said, he said good authority, you know. He yeah, said listen, good authority. DJ Booth consulted doctors. I can imagine before an interview, he's like, listen, man, I need this album. I'm going to give up a kidney and two pinky toes. I'm good. He'd be like, yeah, man, you're good. You're good. <laughs> That's a good sell, though. That's a good sell, Z. Good sell. Okay. I, I'm looking forward to the album now, too. I give up. Okay. I, I wasn't expecting that question either. So I, I, I mean, that was all off the top of the head. I, I, I'm glad to hear that I did a good sell. No, you said that with your chest, and I believe you, every you, word you say. It was like a, it was like listening to a BG album. <laughs> I believe every word, every word. <laughs> That's it from me. You know, Summit. You got anything you wanna wanna yeah. ask to wrap up? Yeah, you know, um, you mentioned your age, and 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 you're 36. I'm 36 in a couple of weeks. In hindsight, with all the hindsight we have. What would you tell your younger self if you had the chance? 
Great question. Happy early birthday. And I would tell my younger self um, to slow down. When I graduated from college, I was working morning show radio. That's a job that lasted nine months. And I was working DJ booth as a hobby at the time that I was, again, pursuing that career. And I just, I wanted everything to speed up. I, you know, I was, I was very impatient. Part of that impatience probably drove me to work as much as I did, um, which allowed DJ Booth to grow as rapidly as it did. And so that perspective is not, is, is not for naught. However, um, when I look back, I do realize that not only did I wish away my early 20s in pursuit of greater success at an older age, but I also spent an inordinate amount of time stuck in front of a computer screen when I could have been experiencing more of life. I think I'd like to think that it all worked out okay. I, I, I met my wife at 30. We got married two years later. We have a beautiful three-year-old daughter who turns four next month. And so everything happened how it was supposed to. But if I could tell my younger self anything, it would have been slow down, be a bit more patient, um, everything will happen as it's supposed to. Yeah. Slow down. It's like the brand Nubian tune. Slow down. I love all the hip hop references we, on this podcast. We do this all day, <laughs> baby. We do this all day. We, we, so we, we started the podcast because we would meet up for pasta uh, and just talk rap. And we thought oh, we should put this on, we should put this on wax. And then we, we got to a point where we were like, we could do this in our, we can kind of almost do this in our sleep in, in some ways. Let's talk about some real issues. So we, we started talking about mental health. We started talking about how to operate in an office environment, how to send emails, you know, we, you know, just psychology, all of that. And then we got to a point where we're like, now we're breaking atoms. Let's just break shit down to the very last compound. Let's just get back to the essence. And this is what we do. And, mm. and, and, and for us, it's, it's, and it's very, we're very fortunate that we can speak to people like yourself. We're very fortunate that we can speak to the artists that we've spoken to, the legends we've spoken to, the future legends we'll speak to, um, because we, no matter no matter what, we want to learn something from each interview. That's for me. One of the kind of main ingredients for an interview for me would be I need to learn something from the artists I never learned before. And you've given us that today. Um, you've given us great insights. Thank you for your time. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your contributions. Mm-hmm. Um, credibility for me doesn't get thrown around um willy-nilly you are the epitome of that um your voice means a lot and you've worked very hard for that so kudos to you um my friend marzi from def jam said to me um about a couple months ago are you on audio mac no get on audio mac and he forced (laughs) me to get on audio mac so we got the podcast on audio mac too um i I also want to say your last bit about slowing down has now made me want to listen to Speed by Little Brother. You did that. <laughs> that you wasn't that. my intention, but a great end result nonetheless. Um, thank you guys so much for having me today. Um, this is definitely the best part of my day. Will undoubtedly be the best part of my week. Uh, and um, yeah, anything you need, let me know. I'm, I'm here. Absolutely. Thank you so thank much. You so much, mate. God bless, man. God bless. Take care. Bye, guys. Right, another episode done, Chris. This, um, yeah, I enjoyed that. That was that was um, that was good for my soul. I think that interview was like the uh, the chicken pie my wife made me before the interview <laughs> with the puff pastry. It was just it's it's good food, man. It's food, isn't it? It's it was food, eerie. bruv. It was it, eerie, yeah. right? It was yeah, eerie. it was food, man. It was food, man. Food for the soul, food for the mind. It's my first time even speaking to Z. Lovely guy. Really lovely guy. I would love to... Um, You know, I can't wait for COVID to be over. Like, because um, imagine a massive powwow. Me, you, OC, Marco Polo, Mike Geronimo, DJ Z in a pub, just powwowing. Like, I would love to do that. That would That's be incredible. No, that'd be incredible. Look, I've known... I'd say Z 10 to 12 years. I've known him. The flex... Nah, but but no, this is purely because I was a fan first, right? It was a, I was a fan first, and and I've never been shy about saying that. And then obviously I'd hear Chronicle, but you know, um, he's given a lot of great advice over the years, and he still gives a lot of great advice to this day to a lot of artists. But 
you know, this is my first time speaking to him. Like, it was my first time seeing his face. That's like, crazy. And him seeing mine. That's crazy. And that, again, it's full circle. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy. This is this is a great one. I'm sure we'll speak to him uh, in the near future as, as plans um, continue to roll for, for Audio Mac. But as always, you can follow us on social at Break the Atoms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can... Follow us on your favorite podcast platform, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon. We're everywhere. Just search Breaking Atoms Podcast. Um, I think I think we're on um, Siri and Alexa now as well. Really? Yeah, you can chat the ting. Chat wow. the ting. So it's uh, Alexa, play Breaking Atoms Podcast. Eh? No, 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 no. You know, yeah, I want to I want to change the name of my Siri. I want um I want Siri to have like a like a black name. Like like like, like what exactly? I don't know yet. You don't know, but you just want a black name. Yeah, because Siri um, is Iris backwards and she's always watching you, innit? Wow. I know, I know, I know. I, I never know. thought of it like that. Bars. That's bars, bars. that's bars, that's bars. bars. That's bars. Um, but no, we'll be back uh, with another episode. Don't forget Lost Tapes every Saturday. They're running hot. Um, we've got a special one coming up this week, but... Uh, oh, I've got, in- got to say something real quick, bro. Go on. A few rest in pieces, man. Hit me. Um, I want to say rest in peace to John Gamble, who was part of the Stimulated Dummies. Oh, of course. So the Stimulated Dummies, uh, alongside John, it was John Gamble, Dante yeah. Russ, and another person who was part of the crew. I can't remember the name right now, and I'm so sorry, but Stimulated Dummies were a production crew. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're very unsung in the grand scheme of things, but very influential. They produced tracks for Dell, Casual, Third Base, Grand Poobah, and um, we all know the story of Dante Russ. So rest in peace to... John Gamble of the Stimulated Dummies. I also want to say rest in peace to Splash G. Now, this is a really random name, but Splash G is an MC from North Carolina. And the reason why Splash G is so significant, especially to me, is because he was one of the first artists that Ninth Wonder produced for outside of the Justice League. So he released an album called The Ripple Effect in 2005 on Amp Truth Records, and it was the only album that they ever released. So he recently passed away. Um, it's a name that may fly over a lot of people's heads, but the Ripple Effect is one of those albums that comes um, as part of my rabbit hole initiation into to underground hip hop. You know, Little Brother, Legacy, Sean Don, Median, Splash was part of that. So I want to say rest in peace to Splash. I want to say rest in peace to Tony Galvin, who's a Miami-based producer who does stuff for Dynas. Dynas yeah. does stuff with Jazzy Jeff. He was on mm-hmm. BBE at one point. And last and definitely not least, I want to send love, light, energy, positive vibes whatever you want to call it to the people of nigeria who are going through it right now it's crazy um absolutely crazy um i, ap- I apologize i apologize for um hijacking the outro but i just thought it was really important to say no this this is important it's a better outro than i would have done um stimulated dummies uh gb that's the name gb that's him GB. yeah and no, I'm, pointing at, I'm pointing at the screen you're pointing that's at the him. screen pointing at me they can't see that um but no what's, hap- what's happening in nigeria is insane um, love light to everyone out there, man. This 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 got to stop, man. This got to stop. Yeah, and we don't know when people are going to hear this, but you know, if it stops today, great. It's still love light energy, positive vibes, and unfortunately, and we hope it does stop. But if it doesn't, it's still going to be love light, positive vibes, and energy. And with that said, submit run through the socials again because I just hijacked everything. Break the atoms at break the atoms twitter yes, sir. facebook instagram let us know your feedback uh, and also tag in z as well 